tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa, ngā mihi nui ki a koutou, ki te oatu, ki te atua, tēnā koe, te ihi karai, tēnā koe, ki te wairo, tātou, tēnā koe. Ko i o te timetanga me te mutunga katoku mihi au, aroha mai, aroha atu, tēnā koutou, ngā tēnā koe, Cindy, it is really a privilege to have you with us, and always nice to have our auntie back in the house to slap me around the ears, and to... Yeah, to just bring your authority and your mana into the space. Um, so we just wanted to, to welcome you, Pitu. Tonight's reading is Matthew 10, 1-8. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. 
James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve disciples, these twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Great job, Tim. Yeah, come on. So what do we have here? We have Jesus who is about to send out his 12 disciples to change the world, and he gives them this commission. He says, freely you have received, freely give. And most of what we've talked about in the last few weeks of what we have freely received is the idea that we have freely received the generosity of God. Or we have freely received adoptions of sons and daughters into the family of God. Or we have received community. Or we have received healing. But actually what is in this scripture is a little bit different. Because the thing that Jesus says we've received here is authority. Which is, is something else. Quite else. See, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And many of us in this room, uh, the, the core demographic of this room, have authority issues. Um, and do not like the idea of authority or being told what to do. It's a, a generational um, uh, trait. Um, and, um, and, so, and so what I want to look at tonight is what, what spiritual authority is. And first I want to tell you a story. Some of you have heard part of the story before. Um, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it's a hoot. Um, and um, so, so last year, we, um, this, this past week, I've been on Nuhu um, Marae or Hopi Marae with, um, with Rose, uh, one of the other leaders here. And, and to, to dial back a year, um, a year ago I was at a conference and uh, we were coming to the end of one of these sessions and I felt like God had a word. Um, and the word was... Someone in this room has a problem with their testicles. And I thought, Lord, no. Absolutely no way. So um, I was like, oh my gosh. So I sneakily went up to the speaker of the conference and um, walked over to him and I said, um, hey, um, just one thing, someone's got a room with testicles. Um, and, uh, and the guy was like, oh yeah. And, uh, and he said, do you want to give the word? I said, no, I really don't. <laughs> if you could give that word, that would be great. And so um, I uh, went and took my seat, and then at the end of the session, he goes, I think Scotty had a word about someone's testicles. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. So I just sit there in this auditorium as it clears up, um, and gradually everybody leaves. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, there was no one in the room with problems with their nuts. And I just said it in front of everybody. And, uh, and then this one guy walks back in, a mate of mine, Paul, who has a big, thick Scottish accent. And he comes and sits next to me and he says, So I've got a problem with my nuts. <laughs> and, um, and so we didn't lay hands, but um, I said to him, um, I said to him let's, um, let's have a pray about that. Um, and so what would have happened is that actually for Paul, him and his wife, um, Anna had already had um, a kid before, and they've been trying to have a second kid for about um, two years, and um, and had been able to conceive again. And, and Paul has a history of, um, I think it's called varicose veins, like these veins that will just fill up with blood 
it had surgery on it, it turned out that one of these had gone into his testicles and basically was warming everything in there and so killing killing anything. And um, and so we just prayed, I didn't know this, and, and I was like, this is just weird. And um, and three weeks later I get this phone call, and I don't know the number, and I just hear this thick Scottish voice go, Hello, my spiritual friend! <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I said, hello? <laughs> Um, and he says, so you're the man who got my wife pregnant. <laughs> um, and so it turns out that, that she concedes um, three weeks after that. And, and we've just been on Nuhumarai um, with, um, with Anazia. Um, and it was this beautiful week of um, her passing little Ailey, their child, back and forth between us during the week. Um, and... Um, and you know, the thing with, with spiritual authority, the reason I tell that story is that the heart of, of spiritual authority is that everything in the universe must submit to the will and to the voice of God. And so when we say, varicose vein in the testicle, off you go, then off it goes in the name of Jesus. There's a scripture I love at the moment, Psalm 46, um, and it says, and that God speaks, the earth melts. God speaks and the earth melts. You know, the, the voice of God is powerful. God is powerful and he has all authority over everything that he has made. The whole earth, the land, the sea, the plants, the animals are subject to the authority of God. See you later, Nathan. Have a good night. You will do. So everything must submit to the voice of the one who created it. And that's authority. God has authority. But then we have in John 5.19, Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So the, the Father has authority, and the Father has handed all that authority to the Son, right? That's what we have in this passage in John 5. The authority that is the Father's, Jesus does nothing that the Father is not doing. The authority of the Father is in Jesus. So when Jesus says, Mark 4, to the, the waves and the storm, be calm. And so we get to, to Mark 4. And Jesus tells the storm to calm, and the waves have to calm, because everything is under the authority of Jesus. In John 11, Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus and says, Lazarus, get up, and death must submit to the authority of God and Jesus. In Luke 19, I love this passage, where Jesus is coming in on the donkey, and the disciples are saying, calm down these people, you're going to start a revolution. And he says, if I, if you don't worship me, even the rocks will cry out. This is the kind of authority that we're dealing with. And so then we go one, one further. The Father has given authority to the Son. And then John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So all the authority of the Father has been given to the Son. And the Son, Jesus here, says, all that authority I was given from the Father, I have now made known to you. John 14, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So the intention of God is that the authority which is his over the whole world that was given to Jesus would be given to us, and we say, Veritas vain, off you go, and new life comes. Uh, Luke 10, 19, even more overt. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So the first point I want to make here tonight 
is that the authority that is the Father's to command everything in this universe has been handed to the Son, and the Son has handed that to us. The authority of the Father has been given to the Son, and the Son has given that to us. And so, the second part of this, how, how, does, how does that all work? We know that's true theologically, right? But, but if we look around our world, we see that sometimes we pray, and things don't seem to respond to that authority. So how does this all work? Well, I, I want to tell you a story first. This last week that we've been away um, at um, Te Maungarongo of Marae up in Ohopi, um, there was a, 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 a number of occasions where we were asked if we'd like to share devotions during the week. Um, and so different ones of us in the Sotago class could offer a devotion. I said, well, what I'd really love to do on the Friday morning is to share Eucharist with our crew here. Um, and, and part of what I love so much about this is in the, the Whananui at um, Timangaromo, normally you have an ancestor that you dwell within in that Whananui, but in this case, the ancestor is Jesus Christ. Um, and so I love this idea that we enter into the body of Christ and that the body of Christ would enter into us within it. Um, was, was quite like a powerful idea. And so I, um, I, I had this plan to take Eucharist, and then it kind of starts, I thought it was going to be quite a, a simple thing, and then it sort of starts to lift off and become like a little bit more of a deal. And the whanau get invited to come and be a part of this. Um, and um, the, the komatsu and one of our teachers, Wayne, um, said, hey, actually I have something I'd like to show you. Um, and takes me into the side room, and there was a, a missionary, Presbyterian missionary, who came out in the the 1820s to New Zealand by the name of James Duncan. And he came out here starting in Wellington and then ended up becoming a close friend of Tuhue, who, who um, Timangaroho is, is under. And so he takes me into this room and he pulls out these old looking chalices and these jugs and these bread plates. And they're the original chalices, the original bread plates that are inscribed from the Presbyterian Church of Scotland from the mission work of James Duncan in New Zealand. And he says, I'd love you to take this Eucharist with these chalices and with these plates. comes this incredibly powerful experience, eh? And so what I'm ending up doing on Friday morning is I'm taking Eucharist in Te with the chalices of James Duncan. Now, three things going on here, three authorities. Number one, I'm taking the Eucharist. As an Anglican priest, I'm coming under my bishop in that space. That's, whenever I take the Eucharist here, I just represent a bishop he can't be everywhere. <laughs> so I come under the authority of my bishop. But I also come under liturgy, which is said all around the world. You know, they say the average Anglican is a 22-year-old sub-Saharan African woman. So I come into what she is a part of. But then I come into this liturgy. The oldest part of it is from 200 AD. I come into over 1,800 years of history. I come into something beyond space. Beyond time, I come into this Eucharist, but then I take it in Timangoro, and I'm in this Murai of the two the two Hui people, and I stand on their Tūranga Waiwai, and I stand with carvings around the walls that are their whakapapa, and in the room is Wayne Takawa, the Komatua, and he's watching this happen. And so I enter under the authority of the Tangkasino of that place. And I enter under the authority of these people, their marae, and the fact that their history long predates my history here in this land. And then thirdly, I'm holding James Duncan's chalice as I do this. The first Presbyterian missionary to New Zealand from Scotland. And he was married less than a week before they shipped him out here. 
incredible. Who loved and advocated for the Tuhoi people. She went from marae to marae, caring for people and sharing the gospel. And so I'm entering, holding this chalice, I'm entering into the story of a man who left home forever to share the gospel in a far-off land, and I enter under the story of the Presbyterian movement in New Zealand. Now, when I think about the bigness of the Anglican Church, as I take the Eucharist in that space, and when I think about the power and the Tūrangawaiwai of Tūkwe, and the Whānau that I stand within, and when I think about the authority that sent James Duncan here, I start to feel really, really small. And I'm deeply humbled by the authorities that I stand under in that moment. Now here's our problem, the West is like totally disconnected, right? We don't recognise any of those authorities. We walk into churches and say, I didn't like the worship without acknowledging the bigness that we are a part of. We walk on land as if it were our own, not realising it's someone's turd on the highway. We critique the ministry and work of others before we've done anything with our lives. We critique the work of James Duncan when we're too scared to say the name of Jesus in our workplace. We're a disconnected people. We do not realise the authorities we walk under. We do not realise the bigness of the story that we are a part of. So why don't we see the authority and power of God move like it did in the scriptures? Well, because we have no humility. We have no humility to realise the bigness of what God is doing in the world and how big his authority is. Authority is released when we come under something bigger than ourselves. And to many of us, we are the biggest thing in our world. And so there is no authority. Luke 7, 1-10, it's a story about a centurion. It goes like this. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capitol. Then there a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowds following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. So what do we have here in the story? We have a centurion, a powerful Roman military man who commands an army of a hundred. And he has the sick servant who he loves, and he desperately wants him healed. So he says this, he says, paraphrase, this is the um, Scotty Reed translation. He says, I'm a really powerful guy. I tell people to go and they go. I tell them to come and they come. I tell people to run into battle and they run into battle. But Jesus, I can see that even my power and authority is nothing compared to your power and authority. I don't even deserve for you to come into my house. So this Roman centurion, deeply steeped in the imperial military machine of Rome, says... Jesus, it's clear to me that you're more powerful than Caesar, who I pledged my allegiance to. 
And so he submits to the authority of King Jesus, and healing happens, and Jesus says, I've never seen faith like this. I've never seen someone who will put their powerful place under my power. And so healing comes about because he says, my authority will no longer be Caesar, it will no longer be the empire, it will no longer be this world, but my authority is from elsewhere, from the Father to the Son to us. Now, our generation has authority issues. We are personal freedom obsessed. I heard a great line from someone a while ago. They said, the only thing that millennials and Gen Z want more than community is autonomy. (laughs) Not to lose any of their self-determination in the process of belonging to one another. You know, we want to belong deeply at no personal cost. It doesn't work, right? It's like an open marriage with everybody. (laughs) And yet Jesus calls us to say to him, I'm really intelligent. I have a degree in comp sci or art history or theology. I'm an authority on this, but I know that my authority is nothing compared to yours, Jesus. I am really powerful. I manage a department of 200 people at work, but I know that my authority is nothing compared to yours, Jesus. Well, maybe here's a, a common one for some. I'm a really experienced Christian. I've been doing this for 20 years, but I know that my knowledge and authority is nothing compared to yours, King Jesus. So here's, if you remember one thing from tonight, here it is. If you just want to take one note, this is the one. The release of kingdom authority is always preceded by Christ-like humility. The release of kingdom authority is always preceded by Christ-like humility. Realizing the bigness of the thing we are in. And that we are powerless next to the power of God. John the Baptist, who was quite a big deal for a while, said this when he knew Jesus was coming. He said, there is one coming and I'm not even worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. It's powerful stuff. So point one, the authority of the Father has been given to Jesus and Jesus gives it to us. Secondly, the release of authority is preceded by Christ-like humility. What's this authority for? Now, another issue we have with authority is that we have seen a lot of misused authority and a lot of abused authority. I think um, there used to be a day, I don't know if you've ever seen the old clips of like, the news in New Zealand, but everybody used to speak with a British accent. Just to like, put it on, because the British accent was the authoritative news accent. And if we could hear the British accent, then we knew that what we were hearing was objectively true. You know, and there was a time where people used to have a vacuum cleaner commercial, and all they'd say have to say is, "Buy this vacuum cleaner, and you'll have a happy family." And we would go, "Yes, that makes sense somehow." But I think our generations, millennials, Gen Z, we've got to this point where we realise that all the vows to our generation have been broken. That when we watch advertising, it's manipulating us. It's not a true authority. It doesn't give a shit about us. It just wants to sell more stuff, right? And we know that our government lies to us. We just know this. We know that it's become a popularity contest. We know that it's all personality politics, you know? We know that the vows that used to be true are not true anymore. For those of us who thought our families would stay together, they're fractured apart. And some of those most sacred vows within us, we have seen them broken. So we're cynical about authority. We're cynical about leaders. We're cynical about prime ministers and presidents. We're cynical about our parents sometimes. 
all of these people who were supposed to hold their vows to us broke them. And so we're, we're sceptical of authority. Matthew 10, 7 and 8, Jesus said this, As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. See, there's a difference between worldly authority and spiritual authority. The authority of the world is always about consolidating power around ourselves. It's always about consolidating more power around ourselves. It's always about building a higher wall, building a wider comfort zone, building a more affluent state. The authority of the world is always about consolidating power around ourselves, but spiritual authority of God is about freedom and release for prisoners. The power that comes from God does not build more walls, does not put up more fences, does not keep more migrants at borders and cages. The power of God releases prisoners from their chains. This is every sermon I say this. You should know it off by heart by now. Luke 4.18 I have come to heal the sick, to heal the lame, to open the eyes of the blind, to free the prisoners, to release the captives, to declare a year of the Lord's favour. That's the, the spiritual authority. It's not consolidating power. We see on the cross that Jesus did not consolidate his power around him, but he gave it away willingly, didn't he? He gave it away willingly. So the spiritual authority of God is about freedom and release for prisoners, and often that means actually giving power back to the people who have none. I think of the man at Bethesda in John 5, who's the paralytic, and he's lying there desperate to be taken into the pool. And Jesus doesn't lift him to take to the pool. Instead, that man lifts himself with his mat under his arm and out of his own agency walks out of there. He's restored. He's empowered. I think of the bleeding woman in Luke 8 who is unclean and reviled by her community and has been healed to be a part of that community again. Spiritual authority will always give power back to the powerless. Worldly authority will always try to consolidate power around ourselves. Can I remember a few years ago when I first started in youth work, I met this young guy by the name of Jay. Um, and um, Jay actually, um, oh, within a few weeks of meeting him, I actually ended up in hospital. He split my head open, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> but, um, but Jay, one day, um, I ended up with this crew of kids around me outside, and one of them just started asking why I was a Christian. And I end up sharing the gospel with these 10 or 11 young people out front of Zeal. And we are, we're having this, this conversation about Jesus. And I start talking about um, times of miraculous healing and breakthrough I've seen. And all the kids are like, bullshit. And then Jay says, no, 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 he's right. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he reaches into his wallet and he pulls out this photo of him as a child. And he has these scars all down his face. And Jay didn't have scars anymore. And he said that when he was five or six, this healer, this preacher, came to his house and prayed for him and the scars were gone. Now, can you imagine the difference in the life of Jay because of what happened there at five or six? You know, worldly power, worldly authority tries to consolidate power around us. Spiritual authority hands power back to the powers. That's what happened to Jay at five or six. Power was handed back to the powerless, from the father to the son to his followers to the kid whose face is covered in scars. Liberation, freedom for the captive. 
So what are we called to? What is this authority for? It says heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received authority from God. Freely give. Now I want to say something controversial here. The fullness of the kingdom of God does not end at accessibility ramps for the disabled. It doesn't end at braille everywhere for the blind. It doesn't end at pain management for the chronically ill. Now, to temper that, yes, we should be involved in justice courses. Yes, Christians should be involved in getting ramps on buildings so that people who don't have, uh, who, who are disabled can get in. Yes, we should make a more inclusive society for the blind. But that is not the fullness of what Jesus talks to. You know, I even went in and checked the Greek just to make sure what he was really saying. And I never checked the Greek. <laughs> But you know what? When he's talking about dead people, he's actually talking about dead people. <laughs> really. When he's talking about casting out demons, he's talking about literal demons. He's not offering a new social ethic, but he's actually saying there is a power that can liberate people. And that's okay. You can disagree with Jesus if you want to. That's fine. But that is what he intended when he said this. You need to know that. That's what Jesus was saying. He was not talking about a new social ethic. He was not talking about a more accessible Wellington. He was talking about total restoration. That's what he was talking about. And obviously there's all those tensions that we, we do live in a time where the kingdom is almost but not yet. And in the meantime, yes, sometimes there is pain we have to manage. And yes, we have to carry those of us who are struggling. And yes, all of that is right. But maybe, just maybe in this community, we need to think a little bit less about that sometimes and a little more about the miraculous power of God for freedom. Maybe that's the challenge we need. See, we are called to enter under the reign of Jesus, under his authority, to heal the weak and feeble, to raise dead bodies from their graves, to heal diseases that cause people to be excluded from community, to remove demons and dark spiritual forces from people. Freely you have received freedom through the authority of Christ, and freely you may receive the authority of Christ to bring freedom. Freely receive, freely give. Point one, the authority of the Father has been given to Jesus, and Jesus the authority of the Father has been given from the Father to Jesus, and Jesus offers that authority to us. Secondly, the release of authority is always preceded by Christ-like humility. And thirdly, worldly authority imprisons, but the authority of Jesus brings freedom. Now here's one final kind of surplus requirement thing I want to bring to the floor. It's going to unpacking all the controversy at the end so you didn't tune out too early. <laughs> Luke 10, 16, Jesus says to his disciples, Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. God has put authority in his people. So we need to be careful that we don't reject a person whom God has made a gift to his power and authority. To be really careful about that. Last year, some of you remember we did our idol series and we repented a bunch of the, the idols we had as a church. And one of those was our attitude towards other churches. You know, we did some serious repentance for our brothers and sisters across the road here. 
you know, to say sorry for the attitudes of myself and others that help. Because the thing is, like, I actually want the gift of God that is across the road. And I want to come under the authority of across the road. I want to come under the authority of the churches in Wellington who have something we don't have. You know, if you want to see the authority and the power of God to heal the sick come upon you, you need to come under the authority of someone who's healing the sick. That's how, that's how that happens. If you want the authority to come and bring prophetic words that are crazy accurate and bring people freedom, then you need to come under the authority of someone who has crazy prophetic words that give people freedom. If you reject them, you may be rejecting him and you may be rejecting him who sent him. Be careful with this. And if that's rubbing for you right now and you're like, then maybe that's actually telling you something. Or maybe I just have bad theology. You can decide. <laughs> and so the final thing I want to say, and, um, and I've not been set up to say this, but, but tonight as we worship, we're really lucky to have Sunday with us. And if we want everything that God has to offer through Sunday, then we recognise the mantle and the authority that is on Sunday, and then we receive what she has to bring. I don't think this is a message we've ever preached in this church. We are so deconstructive, so egalitarian. But maybe, again, this is a tension that we need to navigate. Let's actually go, if we want the full riches of God, we're going to have to start to believe and trust some of the people who are carrying that. So the response tonight, we have a moment of silence soon, but I think how our response and worship is going to look is I think we're going to begin by humbling ourselves and recognising the bigness of what we're in. Um, We're going to begin by humbling ourselves, and we may need to begin in repentance. We may need to begin in repentance that we have rejected some who Christ has sent, and so rejected Christ, and so rejected the Father. And then, from repentance, always following repentance is healing. And so then we're going to ask God, bring your authority and power, because we actually want to get busy with the work of healing the blind, of raising the dead, of casting out the demons. So I don't know about you, but like, man, I'm exhausted with everything we do in this city to try and make it better. And it's good stuff, but we are just not enough. We are just not enough. And our efforts are not enough. We need more. We need the power of God. Or we're burning out in five to ten minutes. Um, <laughs> so the response is going to be, this response is going to be, it's going to be beginning with humility and repentance. And we're going to spend some time there, and then from there we're going to move to a place of like, let's just pray that that authority of God comes. And, and you know, if you recognise someone in this room who has a gift or an authority on them that you want, you just get there and get them to pray for you. What's the worst that can happen? You got prayed for. It's funny, right? When I first started like leading church, I felt like I didn't need to be prayed for anymore. <laughs> but then I've kind of come full circle, and I will just take all of it. Eh? Like, anyone who will pray for me, you can all pray for me tonight. Like, I'll take... You know what we could do? I could just stand there and we could line you all up and you could walk past me just throwing spirit grenades at me. I'd be so fine with that. I'd have a great night and I would feel no shame. Why don't we stand for you to... If you, if you want to receive, you want to repent, maybe do something with your hands that says that, you may want to hold them out or you may want to hold them in front of you or something, but, but let's, let's posture, let's embody what we're saying here. Um, Father God... We know that you are the source of authority. You speak and the earth melts. And that authority you gave to your son, Jesus, who died a non-violent revolutionary on the cross at Golgotha. And he has given all authority to us. 
So Lord, we come with repentant hearts, realizing the bigness of what we are part of, that we are very small. And we are humbled by that, Lord. We come humbled and we come repentant, Lord. Praying that that, um, your mercy would come and we would receive your powerful authority.